Thanks, Miss Becky. Well, welcome to Carterville Baptist Church today as we begin to study the Word of God. I hope that the Lord will stir in you. This is one of those Sundays where we are reminded that when we gather on Sunday, we believe in more than the eye can see. We believe very clearly that there is a God at work in this world, that He is more than you could ever have if you had all the treasure on the earth. If you had the esteem of every man or woman or child, it could never satisfy your heart as well as being united to the God that you cannot see but created you, who is driving creation to His glorious redemption. Today we're reminded that God is out there and that He's working in you. That This isn't just a bunch of ideas or songs that we sing, that our faith is not a philosophy, that we are actually living in step with the living God. That every child in this church today, that every grandparent, every college student, every woman, every man, every mom, every marriage, that we're walking in step with the living God. That God's out there nudging you. And God's got a, an agenda. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for your life, things that you're called to live out. And He's helping you get it done. It's a good reminder. Sometimes we get caught up in the grind. And we forget that God is at work. And every once in a while we need to stop. And today's that Sunday. We're in the middle of a unit in Sunday school and in church, in worship. We're studying what it would look like to follow Christ, to be spiritually formed into the image of Jesus. We're studying spiritual habits that will let God shape you. And the reason we're doing that is because the church has bitten off a huge project. We've challenged ourselves to take God's bride, our church family, off of cruise control and be intentional. And so for the next five years, we're trying to impact 5,000 people in the Pine Belt. We want to tell 500 stories of how God changed our lives and theirs. And in the middle of this five-by-five-by-five strategy, this push to be faithful, to love our neighbors, to grow in Christ, we recognize that the two critical factors are, first, we have got to be spiritually formed. It's time for us to let God do the things that we know He wants to do in us. We've got to begin growing personally in our connection to Christ. We've got to become the believers, the New Testament believers that God wants us to be. Stop saying no to the Lord. Start saying yes. It's not enough to be a cultural Christian. The second big part of this 5 by 5 by 5 strategy is that we want to intentionally saturate the Pine Belt with the good news of Jesus. We want to be a good witness for Christ on every campus, every workplace, every ball field, every restaurant, every household, neighborhood, street, nook and cranny. We want to go to the highways and the hedges. Now, in order to do that, we've got to be spiritually formed. And today, our third sermon in this series, I want to talk about the importance of you and I living a Spirit-filled life. That is, that we would let the Holy Spirit shape our lives, that we would let God begin to nudge us, that we would start to do things through the strength and the power of God that would change our futures and the futures of people around us. So let's pray together and we'll study the Word of God together. Father, I ask for your blessing. I pray for your presence in our church family. Lord, I ask that as we read the Scriptures today, your Holy Spirit would stir our hearts. Father, that you would nudge us towards faithfulness, that you would open our eyes to your calling, that you would give us gifts, that you would begin to give us freedom, Father, from our addictions or our sins, 
that you would remind us of the things that Christ has taught, convict us of our sins, that in your Holy Spirit you would bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Father, that you would allow us to become self-controlled, that your Spirit would bear fruit and bring gifts and bless others. God, I pray that you would give us peace today in your Spirit, that we'd be reminded today that we are not orphaned, not alone, because you're with us in your Spirit. We ask today, Lord, that you would descend on us, that you would fill us, and that you would send us out the back doors of the church, Father, in just a few moments, ready for the tasks that you have for our households, our homes, and Father, for each of us. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine with me how awesome it would have been to see Jesus at work. Can you imagine being a child, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old in Galilee when Jesus was coming through and he would feed everyone, feed 5,000 people with, with bread and loaves and you're telling about the miraculous story and your buddy was the one that went up there with his lunch sack to offer just his portion to see if he could get things started. Can you imagine being a child and watching Jesus come through and raised back to life the widow of Nain's child and you're thinking that was my friend and they were dead and now they're alive can you imagine being a child at the tomb of Lazarus and watching him come back from the dead and realizing that the end is not the end anymore can you imagine seeing Jesus walk on water or watching him heal people can you imagine hearing him teach his parables I I bet Jesus was an amazing teacher I would have loved to have heard him teach in person. Can you imagine being in Galilee and experiencing the ministry of Jesus? And then, can you imagine being one of the 12 who've been right there at his side the whole time watching in wonder, and he starts to tell you that the ultimate plan is that he's going to die, that he's about to go to the Father, and you're going to be left alone, and you start to just be dis discouraged. How are we going to go on without all this? And then he starts to look at you and say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. You all are going to be my body and you all are going to be the bride of Christ. You're going to be my hands and you're going to be my feet and you're going to follow right in my footsteps. And you start to think, well, how, how can we do the kinds of things Jesus did? Can you imagine if we could do the kinds of things Jesus did? Like if we could raise the dead, heal the sick, if we could comfort, if we could, if we could forgive if we could cast demons out, if we could put homes back together, if we could give hope to people that had no hope, if we could teach God's Word and give people life. Man, could you imagine if we could do the things that Jesus did, but He tells us we can. And the Holy Spirit is a critical link. Like for you and I as believers, for our faith to be more than words or ideas, for our faith to come to life every week depends on us becoming people who are Spirit-filled learning to depend on the Holy Spirit, experiencing God personally through the Holy Spirit, beginning to serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like Everything about your faith coming to life depends on you and I being plugged into the Holy Spirit because when Jesus ascended to the Father, we became God's agents on the earth. And He really did leave us the task to finish His work. And you cannot do it without God's help. Holy Spirit. I want you to look with me in John chapter, chapter 14, verse 12. Crazy verse in the Bible. Perplexing. In John chapter 14, verse 12, 
while Jesus is beginning to explain to the disciples that he's going to go away, they'll be left alone, he says this in verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I want you to imagine for a moment what it will look like for for God to do greater things through you and me because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Like This is a crazy teaching, but I want you to hear it. Jesus told the disciples that once He's gone, His church will do greater things than they saw Him do. And it is because of the Holy Spirit. It's because Christ intercedes at the right hand of the Father and sends the Advocate, the Spirit, to His church. It's because when we begin to yield to the Spirit and the the power of God is unleashed on humanity from one end of the globe to the other, the disciples began to see this. On the day of Pentecost, they began to preach and everybody could understand. People were cut to their heart. 3,000 people were saved in a day. That didn't happen in the ministry of Jesus often. A lame man is given his legs back. Dorcas is raised from the dead by Peter. Eutychus raised from the dead by Paul. All throughout the, the world, all around the Mediterranean Sea, miracles one after the other at the hands of the disciples unleashed by God the Father. And that inheritance has been given to us. Like our brothers and sisters are faithful in Asia, in Africa, in Australia, and Europe. We have brothers and sisters faithful in South America and in every country of North America. But the mantle has passed to us. We are supposed to be faithful to God in a way that greater things are happening through our ministries around the world. That addicts are being set free. That the hopeless find hope. That the lost are being saved, the dead are made alive, that the sick are healed. And I know that there are hospitals that have been raised all over the world in Christ's name. And acts of benevolence beyond measure. But I want everyone to sit and settle in this challenge. Jesus told the disciples that we will accomplish greater works. And you have inherited that. So your years at college... Your senior year of high school, this passage through middle school, this journey of grandparenting, this struggle of parenting, this business of marriage, this new job you have at work, your hobby, these are all outlets for the Holy Spirit. None of them commonplace because Christ is at the right hand of the Father and He has sent His bride to do greater things. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit today. And I want to just give you a couple examples from my personal life. And then we're going to read in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 some of the teachings of Jesus about the Holy Spirit. And the whole sermon, I, want, I guess I want everybody to sort of ask themselves this question. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like you, you can be 8 years old, 9 years old. Just turn your tech off a minute and tune in. This could be for you. Like I want you to begin asking yourself, What does God's Holy Spirit want to do with you this week? Like, who does He want to send you to? And how does He want to change you and help you grow? I mean, are you trying to overcome your anger? Are you trying to be more respectful? Are you trying to gain wisdom? That comes from the Holy Spirit. Are you trying to secure your marriage? Are you trying to find the path for your future? It comes from the Holy Spirit. 
Are you trying to be more effective sharing Christ? Do you have friends who are lost and you wish that you could share the gospel with them before you graduate and part ways? It comes from the Holy Spirit. I wonder what God wants to do with you through the Holy Spirit this week. And there's no age limit. Like you're not too old for the Holy Spirit. You're not too young for the Holy Spirit. God loves to, to teach through the wisdom of the elders, and God loves to teach by the example of the children. So there's nobody in the room today who is exempt from our teachings on the Holy Spirit. But I want to give you some personal examples for me. This first one I offer is silly, and I admit it. But in my life, I felt like it was truly a lesson that I have lived on for years. When I was 15, I had a driver's license. Uh, back then, you got a driver's license at 15. I was driving home from basketball practice. It was dark. It was kind of late at night, and I was in my truck to drive from my school back to Sugarlock, Mississippi, uh, because all roads lead to Sugarlock. You can get there. It is the center of the cosmos, but there were two roads primarily from my school that I could take. One was a direct route. It was sort of the old road, and the other was a bypass, you know, the, the new road, the new highway. Everybody was proud of their new highway. Well, the old route is how I normally drove to school and normally went home from school. The bypass is longer. I had to drive all the way out to the Highway 45 bypass, and it took me just a few more minutes to get home. But the old road crossed the Knoxville River, and basically for the first few miles, you were in the midst of nothing except hunting land and wilderness, right? Well, anyway, I'm at a stoplight by the old bumpers in Macon, and I'm headed home, and I felt the strongest illogical compulsion to turn left and go to the bypass. And I remember sitting at that stoplight thinking, well, that's stupid. Of course not. I'm going to go straight. And beyond question, I felt the strongest compulsion, and I believed it was from God, and I had no idea why. Turn left. And I thought to myself, well, I think God wants me to go left. How dumb is that? But I said, okay, Lord. I'll go left. So I went left. I know it's dumb. And, and God doesn't often speak to me just to spare me a little trouble. He usually speaks to me to bless somebody else or to teach me something. And on this day, he taught me something. So I turned left. I made it out to Highway 45, turned right. And as every rookie driver has ever experienced, as I made a right onto Highway 45 and pushed that old gas pedal down, she began to choke and sputter and drifted off idly into the right-hand lane, and then off to the edge of the road, and I looked around, cold out of gas. Raise your hand if you've ever been there. And I looked up, and there is one motel within a radius of Macon, Mississippi. It was the old Oak Tree Inn, you remember? I saw the Oak Tree Inn. It was right across the bypass, and I laughed. Now, you got to understand, in my day, there were no cell phones. It was a long walk to the next landline. All I had to do was walk across the street, call my mom and dad, and they came with gas. And it's so silly. But if I'd gone straight, it'd have been me and the hoot owls for about three hours, right? God didn't have to tell me to turn left. How dumb is that? But he imprinted on me at the age of 15 that he loved me, and he was even watching over small details of my life. And I learned from that. When I was in college, he spoke to me again. He nudged me with one of those Holy Spirit nudges where the God of the cosmos starts to nudge you and speak to you and you're reminded that we're not alone in this business. I was at a worship service with the BSU. We were at Gulf Shore Baptist Assembly. It was called Leadership Training Conference. 
And as we were there, we were all singing. I'm in the back of the sanctuary. And there was a person sitting in front of me from another university. I have no idea who the person was. But as we were singing to the Lord, this invitation at the end of the service, people were being called down front for prayer and that kind of thing. And I'm standing up just singing my heart out. Loved the Lord. At this time, I was a very devoted disciple. And I felt so strongly compelled to reach up, touch this person on the back, and introduce myself. And I thought, Lord, this is bizarre because he doesn't know me. I don't know him. We're, we're singing to you right now. And I'll be honest with you, God, that's a little weird. And as, I, as we kept going in the worship service, like I felt that song stretched out. And I just felt the strongest pressure from God to introduce myself to this guy. And I'll be honest with you. There I was, about 19 years old. I said, that is too weird. No. I didn't do it. I stood right behind him and said no to the Holy Spirit because I thought this is too weird. I don't know if it's you or me. And I'm not fixing to tell this guy, I think God told me to nudge you, right? So I just sat and sang and said, I'm crazy. When I finally resigned from the Lord and said no, that guy looked around, walked out the aisle, went down front for prayer. I have no idea what he prayed about, but he prayed about it by himself because I didn't reach up. And 23 years later, I know that God wanted me to be praying with that guy. That's not the last time the Spirit nudged me. Not the last time the Spirit nudged you. Another story from college, we were, at, we were in Honduras. Our BSU was on a mission trip. We were leading a spiritual recovery week or spiritual emphasis week, I guess, a revival week for a school in Honduras. And we were off at a retreat with them. And my friend preached, and tons of people moved that night. The Holy Spirit was so strong. And I was assigned to counsel with this one little boy, a little Honduran kid. He spoke English just fine. His parents were um, upper-class folks. They were important in the country, had good education. Who knows what his career will be? But he had some questions about God, some problems. So I'm a college student at Mississippi State, and we start talking about salvation. And honestly, I hadn't been to seminary. I didn't know that much. But as this guy started talking, every time he said something, every question he raised, every problem he had, every objection, it's like I had an answer that I think Billy Graham would have been proud of. And I had no idea where they were coming from. I'm talking to the guy, and he says, yeah, but. And I'd listen. And then I'd say something to him that while I'm talking, I'm going, dang, that's good. You ought to write that down, you know. And when we were done, when I was done with that counsel with that young man, I remember distinctly walking back thinking to myself, wow, like the scripture talks about the disciples not being worried about how to defend themselves in front of the synagogues or the Sanhedrin that the Holy Spirit would give them the words. And I felt like, well, I wasn't defending myself in front of the Sanhedrin, but for this kid in Honduras, I sure felt like God gave me words. I've had lots of other experiences in my life where I said no or yes to the Holy Spirit, and you have too. Listen, our church is full of them. If we, if we had a big lunch right after this service and everybody started to share their stories, wow, it would be amazing. We, we challenged this church to make 25,000 connections in the Pine Belt, and the very first story that came back was that somebody learned from their experience that God will supply you the people He wants you to share with and connect with if you will open your heart to Him and listen. 
I had somebody else share about how God prompted them to turn around and speak to somebody. And story after story after story from you all. That the Holy Spirit has nudged and moved in your life. And I'm just asking you today that all of us as a church would surrender. And say, God have your way in us. The best text I can read to you is John 14, 15, and 16. As Jesus prepares to go, to be with the Father and leave the church in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the hands of people like us, He gives what we call the farewell discourse. He washes their feet. He tells them to love each other. He starts to speak about His sacrifice. But He also tells the church how we're going to get along to do these greater things. And the answer is the Holy Spirit. So let's read a couple of passages together. And as I read, I want you to observe how the Holy Spirit will minister in your life and through you. John chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 15. The Bible says this, If you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So as we're trying to keep the commands of Christ, Jesus promised an advocate. In Greek, the word for advocate there is paraclete. It's a word that means a helper called alongside somebody. It is your helper. When Jesus said, I'll never leave or forsake you, when the Scripture promised that you're never going to be alone in the ministry of God, it's the paraclete, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter who has come to carry on the presence of God in the midst of His church, to raise us up so that we could be His body and bride. The reason you're never alone is because the Holy Spirit has been called to your side when Christ went to the Father. In the Scriptures, verse 17, it says this, The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him, nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you'll see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you'll realize that I am in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, (coughs) why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. How is it that God makes His home in your home? How is it that God takes up residence in your body as a temple for Him? And it is the Holy Spirit. How is it that David said he could go to the highest heights and not hide from God? That the light in the darkest place was, the darkness in the darkest place was as light to God? Because the Spirit of God is everywhere, in you, with you. If you came to church alone today, I want to remind you, you are not alone. If you feel like you are fighting alone today, you're not alone. The advocate, the helper, the comforter, he's with you. God is with you. Verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but sometimes I need the Holy Spirit to remind me of things God said, to teach me what Christ desires. Is there anybody today that came to church and you need peace from God? Look at verse 27 in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Now come, let's leave. He speaks to the disciples about the Holy Spirit and a couple things we observe from this text that I want you to know about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. First, He is your advocate. He is working for God, for Christ, for you. As you try to carry out the mission God has for you in your family, in your school, in your world, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, is your best helper. He is a spirit of truth. In the Holy Spirit, there is no falsehood. He leads you in the way of Christ, in the way of God. He won't lead you away. You can expect that He will be rejected by the world. And when you act in accordance with the work of the Spirit, you likely will be rejected by the world, but not rejected in the eyes of your Heavenly Father. Say yes to the Holy Spirit, even when it means saying no to the things of the world. You need to know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Scripture teaches us clearly here that Christ says, I'll be in you. He tells them in chapter 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. You'll bear fruit. How do we remain in Christ? It is in the Holy Spirit that we remain in Christ. In the Holy Spirit that we begin to bear fruit in our parenting. Fruit in our walk with Christ. Fruit in our love for the world. Fruit in wisdom in the midst of a generation that is filled with chaos. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, He'll teach and remind you. I need to be taught. You need to be taught. And there is no greater teacher than the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that you come to worship and we're, we teach in our songs and we teach in the text. Thank you for letting me teach you the Word of God. It's my privilege. Thank you for going to Sunday school and letting your, your pastor in Sunday school, your teacher, your shepherd, teach you the Word of God. But there is no greater teacher than the Holy Spirit. And for that reason, it's imperative that everybody in our church family take your Bible out at your house. Seek God yourself. Read the Scripture and let God teach you in the Holy Spirit at home. He's also your source of peace. And to a bunch of disciples who are about to lose their rabbi, who are about to watch him crucified, and were about to launch out on a journey that literally turned their futures inside out, they needed peace. And the Holy Spirit is where they would get it. I'm asking you at the end of this text, where are you with the Holy Spirit? I'll read a second text, and then we'll wrap up, and I'll ask you if you'll let Him have His way with you. The second text, I want you to turn to chapter 15. I want to start in verse 26 of John 15. Jesus returns to his topic of the Holy Spirit as he's telling the disciples how to get along without him. And he says this, When the Advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, 
the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. The ministry of the Spirit is to push people to Christ. And you also must testify, for you have been with Me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. That sounds like Paul the Apostle in his early days. They'll do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no more. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on His own. He'll speak only what He hears, and He'll tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He'll make known to you. It's a beautiful chain of relation, isn't it? As Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and you see the Spirit, the Father, the Spirit, the Son, the Trinity at work on behalf of the church, on behalf of the glory of God, that the Spirit brings the Word, teaches you, shapes you. He's your advocate and your helper. You're not left as orphans. From this text, we recognize that the ministry of the Spirit is to testify about Jesus Christ. His ministry is to guide you into all truth. And His ministry is to tell you what is to come. What you're to do next. What He's doing next. In this text, Jesus reminds us that you're not orphaned today. You're very much accompanied by God Himself. And I want to ask every father and mother, every child, every individual, every man, every woman, every college student, I want to ask everybody in the sanctuary today. Where are you in the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing God to shape you, to change you, to form you? Do you need to cry out to God today and ask Him to teach you the discipline of communing with His Spirit? Listen, Christianity is not an idea. It's not just a philosophy. It's not even a cold religion. It is, it is life with God through a resurrected Jesus Christ. And it is the Holy Spirit that allows you to engage that experience, to dwell with God and with Christ, to bring the gifts of Christ to bear on the earth. It is the Holy Spirit that allows you to experience Christianity. The disciples that were killed, martyred for their faith in John's churches around the book of Revelation, it was the Spirit that gave them strength and courage. Paul's disciples all around the Mediterranean, they'd abandoned the law for a better tutor, the Spirit. 
And now I stand before you and I say, Christ has told the church, you will do greater things than these. And how will we do them? Through His Spirit. And I'm asking you, will you surrender your life to the work of the Holy Spirit? Would you determine today that you'll live not by the law, but by the Spirit? Not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That you would commune with God in the Spirit. That your prayers born in the Spirit. Your study of the Scripture taught by the Spirit. Your acts of service empowered by the Spirit. Your ministry in the church fueled by the Spirit. When I ask the church to allow the Spirit to lead us to be a blessing. Church family, I offer you this at the end of this service. You've worshipped the Lord, you've prayed, you've given, you've heard the Scriptures read over you. Search your hearts. What is it that God wants from each of you today? Does He want you to surrender some area of your life? Maybe to open your mind to the work of the Spirit? Does He want you to come to the altar and pray? Does He want you to do something as soon as church is over? Is there something He wants you to do? To go reconcile with somebody, to forgive somebody, to offer peace, to serve somebody, to give encouragement someplace? Is there a work of the Spirit that He's calling you to? Would you surrender to that? just as soon as we finish this worship hour? Let me ask this. Is there anybody in the church today who feels far from God? You know that you're not right with God. If you died today, you know that you'd be separated from God in hell because you haven't received the gift of forgiveness that He wants to offer you. And the Spirit of God is convicting your heart. The Spirit of God is drawing you to the Father. Is there anybody here today that would say, Ben, I'm not a Christian yet, but I want to be. I want to give my life to God. I just don't know how. If that's you, then we'd love to serve you today. It'd be our honor to tell you the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To tell you how to give your life to the Father and invite Him into your world. To be baptized, to confess your faith. Whatever God is doing in your life, for salvation or surrendering to the Spirit, I want to ask you to reflect with us. I'll pray over you. And then we'll stand and sing. You can come down front for prayer. You can come talk to me. But I want you to act in obedience to what God's telling you to do. Father, we yield our lives to you and to the work of your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you would do a great work in us. God, that you would allow us to reflect the glory of Christ, that as a church we'd be transformed into his image, set free from our sins. And Father, as a church, we would embark on mission every week to love our neighbors and to reach the pine belt for your glory. We ask your blessing in Christ's name today as we respond to this hour of worship.